been uh, reorganizing the home studio. The entire earth, basically, for me, is my uh, my home. <laughs> I go out maybe uh, three times a month. And it's funny, just sort of the uh, the organization projects that I think have probably initiated for many people in a similar circumstance. I moved a lot of wires this week, and I've got them right here in a pile because one of my strangest <laughs> enjoyments, I really like reaching into a pit of wires like that and pulling a single wire out and just organizing the whole thing. Like finding, finding right now in a pit, this is about 75, maybe 100, maybe 200. Wires, wires, wires. And they're all different. <laughs> they got different plastic heads. Some of them are really nice and uh, is rubbery would be a term. Then we have uh, plastic ones. And we also have a couple of Ethernet cables. And somehow I got into this. Ethernet, Ethernet cables sound very different. And I've got a bag of, uh, bag of rack screws here. Uh, these are screws, but they're rack screws. And I have some plastic bags right next to it. Then I have a power supply that I found underneath everything. Then I've got an intelligent charger right below it. Basically, while I was cleaning the room, if I didn't know what to do with something, I would put it in this stack. It's an amazing collection. And it will all be gone. This is sort of like sand Mandela art that you allow the wind to destroy when you are finished minus I suppose the spiritual deep meditation but organization is its own meditation I think uh, the assembly of this pile the decision to deal with it later and not interrupt the actual organi organizing is its own sort of meditative decision because obviously if I was dealing with the stack okay we also have some uh, some adapters here that you plug into the wall and you plug that into the adapter and then whatever you plug into that adapter has an on off switch got one of those with that kind of switch then I got this one it's a little different I'll play them both together I'll play them on at the same time maybe we get something neat yeah it's a stronger click Got one of those, another one of those. Then I've got a, uh, looks like here is neat. I didn't realize all these things made all these noises. This is a uh, automatic time of day, intermatic programmable timer. And so uh, if you have something that's on like a bulb and you want it to turn the bulb on at a given time, an intermatic programmable timer will do this for you. You just lift up the just a dial with a bunch of pieces of plastic very fun and you pick up the hours so let's see this one right now it, I'm just dialing I've got AM PM if I wanted the dial to go on at 10 I would pick up the 10 a.m. piece of plastic then I would count 
counterclockwise because it moves opposite of time. So uh, if time moves clockwise, a timer moves counterclockwise for this to work because it's counting down. So it's opening up at 10 and then I would pick up all those pieces to six. And then I would just make sure that every other piece was turned down and I'll turn on and off at that point. You could also be a little crazy and just do every other one or every one and two and three, seven, go off for like 25 minutes, go off for three hours, go on for five, stuff like that. Intermatic programmable timer. I don't even know how this got in the stack. All right, it's good that I'm uh, organizing this because I'm gonna wanna figure out what to do with that. I originally bought that for lava lamps and I had a lot of lava, lava lamps for a while. I got presently the non-animate or non-living creature that I am tending to is my cast iron skillets. But for a couple of years, it was lava lamps. And there's an amazing amount of funny stuff you can do to think about a lava lamp like a plant by controlling when the eight hour cycle of bulbs are on and off for proper cooling and all these things. And there's different ways you can both uh, improve the flow of a lava lamp and the lifetime of one. And so I got pretty into that. And so that's what that intermatic one, uh, the clock timer was for. This is my upgrade, apparently. I haven't really cleaned this room out of things in the way that I did this week in years. This is my digital intermatic. This one just has uh, no dials. It's a uh, plug, plug in, but it's got a rubber, rubber switch. Let's see if that takes, if you can hear that. Yeah, that's good. It's on and off. Here's a negative. Here's plus. And here's the set. So just a, a nice action in its own way, but not as fun as the click. Okay. Let's keep on going. Let's see what we got. So I already told you about the intelligent charger. I've got a lithium 9-volt battery still in the packaging. Lithium batteries are okay despite my opinion on the other. Oh, here's more of those uh, plug-in switches. One, two, three. Oh, here's some of those, uh, here's some hardware that comes with shelving and stuff. Oh, I found more switches. More switches. <laughs> okay, now we're getting boring. It started off being kind of funny, but now it's like, God, is this gonna be the show? We're doing a Bruce Hack uh, tribute tonight. My name is Miss Nelson. My name is Bruce. And we've made a wild and wonderful record for you. We will tell you all kinds of things to do and be, and you can let your imagination go with us. Just listen to what we say, dear hearts. This is where the magic starts. But first, let's just get through. Here is... All the cables being picked up is one handful. So I can, I figured out a way to sort of get in. It's not such a huge pile that I can't do this. I think this will pick them all up at once. So I sort of, they're already tangled and I will, and I mentioned uh, pulling them out and sort of like uh, arranging. There's a great feeling attached to uh, matching them for size and then putting up on the wall hook and everything. Good, good cable feeling. But here's all the ones that I removed from the room that I'm gonna lift up at once. And I'll put them, and I will put them down at once. 
<laughs> Too heavy to drop. I didn't want to drop them. Oh, there's some power AC adapters in here. Plastic bags. Extension cables. And in a way, you know, this is sort of, I guess, what a good Bruce Hack tribute show could be. Because I imagine that Bruce Hack probably had, if he were to go through his room with the cables, this would probably be... And I w walked up to him and I'd be like, hey, Bruce, uh, I think you're brilliant. And Bruce would say, well, thanks. You know, um, I didn't really get a lot of that when I was alive. It's nice to hear that people kind of recognize me. Bruce Hack, H-A-A-C-K, is one of those wonderful pieces of electronic music history that all the, all the checkboxes are, are ticked very prolific made his own instruments so electronically very capable weird as hell sort of a I would put him in a uh, Gary Wilson Daniel Johnston kind of is this guy brilliant or fucking strange kind of category uh, goofy too and then wonderfully comfortable in his id in a way that few of us are you know Meaning, he just put anything out, and his music is just a pure delight. With uh, children's music that was uh, all set to synthesizers with his wonderful co-host, Miss Nelson. To really strange, kind of 1970s science fiction, I don't want to call it prog rock, but beautiful, like, uh, of the era epic pieces like Electric Lucifer or Captain Entropy and then a really a really really incredible album called Bite which is dark as as it gets and that's just one of the things that while you're dealing with alcoholism and other sorts of substance issues that are making you your own sort of like weird basement crawling uh odd guy down the street who says he makes uh, children's records the neighbors say when they're talking about him and I think he uh, has some electronic stuff too I don't know his name's Bruce that's the way they probably talked about Bruce Hack that kind of neighbor he never really became famous and so he is one of those people who will occupy a street that you know you might never even know are on that street and they're doing this incredible stuff. He worked uh, He worked briefly with uh, Raymond Scott on some things. Let me verify that. But he certainly was on the Fred Rogers show one day. You can look that up, Bruce Hack and Mr. Rogers. But let me just double check that Bruce Hack was... Raymond Scott. Raymond Scott. This episode of Spoken Word with Electronics is brought to you by Bresky Mastering. Based in Berlin and available to experimental musicians worldwide, Bresky Mastering is a human-based music improvement service specializing in finalizing your mixes. The weirder or more wonderful your work, the better. Visit VereskyMastering.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-C-H-I Mastering.com for more information.
Hello and good evening. Welcome to episode 45. Episode 45. Episode 45 of Spoken Word with Electronics. The effort you just heard just then was me trying to figure out where the end of this power adapter lives. It's uh, one of the ones with the barrel pins, so it's hooked on like some nautical fishing tool to the rest of the cables somewhere below. I, for me to get, so here, I'm just pulling on that cable. I don't want to destroy it. It is somewhere in this octopus of cables. It's very sad. Oh man, I got CD, CD players in here. This is a uh, Sony Walkman CD player. And this is just opening up the door and shutting it. There we go. I got a cable tester. Got a hammer. Of course I have a hammer. Yeah, and then I, <laughs> I found a tool. <laughs> anyway, I would walk up to Bruce Hack and I would say, hey, you know, I really admire every damn thing I've ever heard you do, Mr. Hack. Not a hack to me. And Bruce Hack would probably say, as I started to say before, now I'm, now I'm arranging. This is foiling me. Uh... This is the problem. I, I wasn't looking at this stack and now I'm actually starting to arrange it. So I need to get away from that because I don't think you want to hear me do this for the rest of the evening. Maybe you do, but... Oh, golly. Anyway. All right. I can leave it now, but here I'll pick it up once more. <laughs> but uh, I would be talking maybe to, to Mr. Hack on his neighborhood on his front porch, hopefully on a sober day for him. He struggled with uh, drinking. He'd have uh, on and off spells, but when he was dry, as they call it, he'd be extremely prolific. But I would just say, hey, Bruce, uh, one, sorry to introduce you with that uh, personal f failing as an attribute. And damn, I think you're damn cool. And Bruce would probably say, you know, that's nice. I really didn't get a lot of recognition when I was alive. And I would say, well, I can assure you that a lot of people really, uh, really know about you and love you today in the future. And he'd be, and then he would probably, his eyes would light up. He goes, I always sang about the future. I'd be like, damn right you did. And so uh, Bruce uh, would probably be reassured by that. And then he'd, he'd look at my, uh, look at my hands and he'd be like, hey, have you been fucking around with a bunch of wires for a few hours? I would say, I can't get anything past you, Mr. Act. Yes, I have a giant octopus ball of uh, wires in my room because I've been rearranging cables for the last uh, few days. And Bruce Hack probably would smile. He'd be like, that is the best feeling. And I'd be like, damn right, Bruce, it is. And we would probably feel for a moment some sort of commonality. And that would be about as close as I could get to feeling on the same level of something with Bruce Hack. We might talk about maybe some stories or something that we're both writing, but man, nothing would match what would happen with Bruce Hack probably going home, depending on what time of his life, you know? And one part of his life would be working on probably the wildest recordings for children ever, ever <laughs> recorded on his, uh, on his Dimension uh, record label. Other thing would probably be uh, creating his own instruments, you know, decades before anyone did that sort of casually. You know, a lot of times I think of Bruce Hack's 
time in the late 60s and 70s really you know bought a kit but very few people outside of you know the Moog or Buchla category made their own synthesizers Roland too and uh, Dave Smith of course Tom Oberheim and a couple other people but hobbyists making their own synthesizers did not exist very much and then but there would be old school mentors like Raymond Scott who would find out about Bruce Hack and you know even if your moment in time isn't really acknowledging your ability there are people who are who are of your ability who see you and uh Raymond Scott who deserves his own show I mean just for Powerhouse by itself but for so many things like soothing songs for babies and things like that Raymond Scott's great and there's a common commonality between the two of them so he noticed Bruce Hack for his inventions and there are so many cool Bruce Hack songs man if uh there's nobody really who finds out about Bruce Hack and ever forgets about him too he's not one of those you know there's a lot of people that you just know about to the point where if I were to say never know anything about that person or forget them <laughs> you know uh You'll just never forget them. I think a funny example of something that is even really super impressive, but you kind of forget about is a uh, certain is um, here's a band example. You're never going to forget. Uh, well, I'm not going to do a You'll never. OK, you'll never forget about Pix the Pixies ever, you know, even if you don't like them. And yet I'm wondering as much as you liked Elastica. If you were around when Elastica came out, when was the last time you remembered Elastica? Elastica is one of those bands that you don't remember. There's those two categories, and they're both really great records, those Pixie records and that Elastica record. But Bruce Hack is somebody who just you'd never forget. And to the point where he kind of confuses you the first time you are introduced to him, because there's so many proper pretenses about making electronic music and he had none of it and by having none of it he also had so much more than any of those posers you know like think about uh i don't know like think about even sacred synthesizer stuff like uh like emerson lake and palmer <laughs> they're so silly lucky man is a really great track but they're so silly you know Bruce Hack was very silly, but he was so uniquely unusual that he is no more or less unusual now than he was then. And that's great. So people will be finding out about Bruce Hack in probably the same way people found out about him in the 70s for the next 700 years, one hopes. And to keep the memory of Bruce Hack going, we uh, would like to do our small part with a Bruce Hack tribute show tonight. The way I'm going to do this is I got really into Bruce Hack many years ago. I think when you're developing sort of an interest in electronic music, you go through a Bruce Hack period, which is so awesome because I think for somebody who made tapes for children on a small, independent, or self-produced uh, tape, <laughs> tape distribute, you know, mail-order tape, uh, tape record label, tape label, I don't think he expected people in 2020 to be going through Bruce Hack periods, but everyone does, and everyone should. 
and if you haven't, you damn well should, man. It's so much fun. Bruce Hack is so much fun. That's just the best way you could say it. Like sometimes, it, like if I were to say, "Hey, you should go through a John Cage period," that would be perhaps necessary to understand, but darn if it wouldn't be a little bit taxing, you know? You'd have to read about what you're listening to and then go back to it and <laughs> acknowledge that you are learning at the time. But Bruce Hack is just at the very basics fun as shit and brilliant and so I went through my Bruce Hack period and it was uh, before the Bruce Hack stock went up I think there was a, a movie called King of Techno which is a very strange name for it because Bruce Hack was not really a techno guy although he did make very good rhythms electronic rhythms but I don't think he was either the king or the god of techno. I would say, I just can't think of a better, I can't think of a worse title for a Bruce Hack documentary because it's a false promise. You don't come away thinking that he's the king of techno. But that, um, but that movie is great as an introduction to Bruce Hack. It's like a completely concise entire biography of his life and it's perfect. And after that, Bruce Hack's stuff started to go up in price. But before that, it was a little easier. And I got a copy of uh, the Bruce Hack, of what's called the Bruce Hack song. Eh, pardon me, let me say this again. And I got a, so before the prices went up on Bruce Hack's stuff, and he was still a little less known at the time, I got a print copy of the Bruce Hack songbook, which is in electronic music, history, one of the more now sought after uh, sought after uh, books from well-known electronic musicians. And it's also extremely rare because Bruce Hack, I presumably I'm looking at it, pretty much self-published this things, these things and might have even self-bound them and stapled and sent them out himself. And they're great. And the reason why, one of the reasons why it's super sought after is that it's actual music notation of his uh, of his work of about 30 tracks and it's really kind of cool to see music notation of a electronic music song because if you just play it on a piano you're like that doesn't I mean to imagine if Kraftwerk did this or uh, Gary Newman or something just put out you know just music notation you know, you get that with like really romantic songs. Like you can get cheap music for like Journey or something or like an R. Kelly tune or something. <laughs> I don't mean, you can't really make R. Kelly references anymore. He's so disgusting. He's just so foul. I had a, uh, what a disgusting person. I mean, for the treatment of others that I'm describing. Um, but... My mom had a sheet music for the Superman movie, uh, Can You Read My Mind? And I used to just pull that out and play it on the piano all the time when they were not around, and I'd sing it. <laughs> I wonder if, if kids are allowed to just be left home alone anymore, you know, at, a, at that age. I think I was like six or seven. And... Uh, yeah, I remember it's like, can you read my mind? Do you know all the thoughts I'm thinking of? It's a, it's a very funny song. 
from Superman. I just sped through the song of that, singing it. Uh, that's a pretty good piece of sheet music. But those those are things that are meant to be sort of sung and, and played, but the Bruce Hack recordings are really dependent not only on the the lyrics or even the notes, but it's they're really dependent on the synthesizers that he's playing and the character of those synthesizers. So it's pretty damn fun to have the Bruce Hack songbook and just see those things notated and then play them and hear how completely different they sound from the actual tracks themselves. And these are the notes coming from the man himself. No, it's not like somebody listened to, that's another thing that's really wonderful about this book is that somebody could very easily make a musically notated Bruce Hack, you know, uh, some generic thing. But I'm certain the notes would be different because these are actually the notes that are in Bruce Hack's head when he's playing this stuff. Even if the synthesizer that he has made doesn't play a perfectly pitched note. So his mind might commit to this note, but what you hear wouldn't be that note and uh, certainly wouldn't be notated as that note. So if you go through the Bruce Hack songbook, you start to sort of see those differences, you know, and it's kind of just amazing just to sort of see sort of the bones or the skeleton of his, of his music, you know, and then also to read the notes and the jokes that he scribbles in on every page and uses clip art and everything. And it's a really wild, great book. And unfortunately, like all things synthesizers, now goes for a price. You know, I think the cheapest copy on the internet right now is $400, which is just kind of sad. So I, uh, I, I think a lot of people should see the Bruce Hack songbook. So if you if you go to the uh, the Boing Boing post for this episode, you will see scans of the Bruce Hack songbook. And I thought we would just you'll also see links where available to every single song that is included in the songbook itself. And then I thought we would just sort of go through the songbook, you know, for our discussion. And I was thinking, you know, you don't want to hear me just sort of clunk out a bunch of Bruce Hack songs. To keep this relevant to the show, I wanted to talk about a really, really cool thing that exists in software, which is just sort of note recognition that creates MIDI files. Very similar to OCR for text, but you can right now, with very cheap software on your phone, aim something at a uh, music score and it'll scan the photo and then it will, just like OCR gives text to images, it'll give music notes based on the image and make a MIDI file that you can load into any synthesizer. Really neat. So we'll talk about the software that I use. I think it's called Music Scanner, which is beautifully generic. And I think it's like $4 and I love it. It's super fun. So instead of playing Bruce Hack, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of go on a Bruce Hack, Raymond Scott idea and have the computer play Bruce Hack for you this week. The computer play Bruce Hack for you this week. So we're going to scan and I'll do this. I'll scan it and then we'll play it back and then we'll play it through a couple synthesizers and we'll go through a bunch of Bruce Hack pieces. The computer play Bruce Hack for you this week. I can already tell you going through the Bruce Hack songbook that they sound nothing like the actual songs and that's what's also super cool about it. If you want to get to know a genius, you know, just to see his 
It's almost like an autobiography in a way, but through music notes, like he is just sort of writing the notes that were played by his own weird sort of organ sounding, glitchy, wonderfully fizzly or crackly instruments. And those songs typically are really driven by, by percussion too. And the notes themselves kind of just sit in there. So just to hear, just it's mostly just the notes, uh, the music notes, not the percussion that's notated too. Anyway, so we will see how much that doesn't sound like a Bruce Hack song, but it's the bare bones of one. So that's really cool. If you love Bruce Hack, as I hope a lot of people do, or if you're interested in learning more about Bruce Hack, this will be uh, interesting. I don't think you'll ever hear Bruce Hack like this. Um, and I've only done a couple experiments to make sure that this works by scanning in one or two pages, but we'll go through a lot of them. And then we'll play him through a bunch of synthesizers in the room. I'm uh, looking at an organ that will play good uh, It's all got to take MIDI, so that kind of limits it partly, but probably the Moog, probably an OB6. Saved up a year for an OB6. You should too. Those things are, you'll never, you know, buy one OB6 and you won't buy nine other cents. You know, I never, uh, never, never look at another cent after it. And then uh, prior to that was uh, the Model D. It's like a wonderful, those two together, come on. And anyway, so I'm going to send them through those and maybe filter some other things. Let's see how our uh, let's see how our uh, cable pile is uh, is looking. Okay, it doesn't look like it's grown any since uh, I last looked at it. So, because there was a feeling that it was growing on its own while I was working in the room. I don't know if you ever have that happen. <laughs> this uh, this pile of uh, items is is growing on its own. I don't know if you ever have that happen with uh, large pieces of cables. Oh, look at that. This just appeared in the pile. I had not seen this AV selector. Hmm, interesting. AV selector. Oh, cool. Here's a car connecting adapter. This is a... Uh, cassette adapter that you plug into your CD player and then you put the cassette, the fake cassette into the car itself. I can tell you one thing people net rarely do is uh, you should actually try those in a real tape deck. You know, they're a pretty fun thing to do if you want to experiment with uh, with tape distortion. Get one of those car kits and, and add and basically put it into the tape device itself the cassette player <laughs> and then use it's one of those weird tapes that are meant to go through your cassette drive in your car but it, but they can get overdriven in really cool ways and there are a couple of key component parts of an actual cassette anyway you can put them into a tape player and then use it as a studio tool to sort of give you a, a nice scratchy great little sound i might do an episode on it it's a good thing i found it Anyway, that's what's going on. And the room looks great, too. Other than this pile of things. I, uh... I have a fun thing to do. 
Here we go. So. Okay, I wanted to tell you about the funny. I wanted to tell you about the funniest thing that happened in Austin this week. 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 I wanted to tell you about the funniest thing that happened in Austin this week. week.